Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for listening in today. I'm just so glad that you're here and that we get to share the next few minutes together. I want to see you succeed in life and growing in your relationship with Jesus. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say this about ourselves, that we are learning how to live as God's people. And we do this by two actions, by reaching and by restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. Well, there is a Supreme Court Justice, Horace Gray, who once informed a man who had appeared before him in a lower court and had escaped conviction on a technicality. He said these words, I know that you're guilty, and you know it, and I wish you to remember that one day you will stand before a better and wiser judge, and that there you will be dealt with according to justice, not according to the law. Some time later, the thief was caught off guard. Surprised while burgling a house in Antwerp, Belgium, of all places, the thief fled out the back door, clambered over a nine-foot-tall wall, and then dropped down the other side and found himself in the city prison. (laughs) Ah, villain, dropping into prison is a certain sort of justice that we like to see. And our text today also describes great crimes and then finally, justice. The first time you read Matthew 21, 33 through 46, you might only hear the fierceness between the tenants and the landowner. The conflict between them is, as I said, fierce, and you'd be right to hear the finality of the judgment in the parable. But if you look at the story again, you will see love, the love the landowner has for his vineyard and for his tenants. He wants the vineyard to be cared for correctly, and he gives the tenants a chance, chance after chance after chance to get it right. Finally, he sends his son, whom the tenants in their fierceness, they do kill him, trying to get their way. The landowner in the story really is God, and the son is Jesus, and we should see ourselves as both the vineyard and the tenants. And this is a parable about God's love for you and for me. In the parable today that we're about to read, Jesus tells us of God's love for us, of God's patience for us, and how Jesus himself has come to give his life for our redemption, for your redemption. But there's also a warning in the passage. If we're not careful, we will miss out on his gift. Let's go ahead and read the text. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 33 through 46. Jesus is speaking and he says, Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put up a wall around it. He dug a wine press in it. He built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. 
Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him. But they were afraid of the crowd because the people helped held that he was a prophet. So there's a lot we could say about this story, and I want to start with some familiarity, the background. This is a story that Jesus tells this parable that would have been very familiar to the Jewish people. The culture of this story is familiar because they cultivate vineyards. They've been cultivating them for generations. And a vineyard and how it was run was something they understood really well. And so we're given a picture of a landowner who prepares a vineyard. There's a stone uh, wall, a hedge wall around it. You could picture it, yeah, literally a stone wall made up, or the hedges would have been thorns. And those walls were to keep out wild animals from eating the crop and to keep away thieves from stealing the crop. And every vineyard would have a wine press built into usually a hillside. The larger ones had watchtowers. And that served to uh, guard the vineyard, to watch over it, of course, and then as a place for workers to stay during the harvest. Renting a vineyard to tenants was also common, especially among the wealthy who might have had other matters that needed their attention, other business ventures. Payment for renting out the vineyard would be handled in one of three ways. Either it was just simply a, a money, cash money arrangement, or often it was more commonly, a, a portion of the fruit, and it would be an amount of fruit no matter how much was grown. So, if it was a bad year, you still had to provide a certain amount to the landowner. If it was a good year, well, maybe you got a little extra that time. Third way, and probably the fairest way, but not so common, was that you would give a percentage of the fruit based on how much was grown that year. It was common to have tensions between owners and tenants. When economic times were stressful, tenants would push back on the owners. Well, not only are the people of Israel familiar with the task of tending a vineyard, but also they're familiar with the picture of a vineyard and how that describes their relationship with God. It's all throughout the nation of Israel. They use grapes to describe who they are. It's in the Old Testament. And I want to go to a passage in Isaiah where Israel is described as a vineyard and God as the owner. I think you'll hear some similarities. The whole passage is Isaiah 5 verses 1 through 7. And it begins with describing Israel as a vineyard and God as the caretaker, the owner. And then there's judgment upon this vineyard. We're not going to read the whole passage. We're just going to read the first two verses so you can hear the similarities. It begins like this. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleaned it of stones and planted it with the choicest of vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Isaiah's story of the vineyard continues on, and it has a judgment in it. It's even fiercer than the judgment of, that Jesus tells us about in his parable in Matthew. 
Israel understood themselves as the vineyard. So Jesus' parable got their attention, and it should grab ours as well. This parable has a lot to teach us about God the Father, has a lot to teach us about ourselves, about humanity, and has a lot to teach us about Jesus himself. So let's look at those three things in turn. First, let's talk about what this parable tells us about God the Father. To be clear, God the Father is represented in our story today by the landowner. And this portrayal teaches us certain things about God. I just want to go through a few of those real quick. First, the first thing this parable teaches us about God is that God is just, and that justice is a good justice. That's something I want you to see. The judgment that Jesus describes in his parable is a justice that is balanced. It's balanced with patience and balanced with love. Even those who are listening into Jesus' story, they agree that justice in the story would be the landowner ending those wicked servants who are killing his own servants and his own son. Justice would be the landowner finding new tenants. They understood that his response was just. This was normal, that they get the picture and they get what should happen. And that's what we're being told about God's judgment. It is just. It is what should happen. Now, there's a lot about judgment, the idea of judgment that disturbs us, but it's important for us to see and understand what judgment is, what justice is. When God judges, it is with true authority, unlike what anyone else has. Perhaps that's one of the reasons why we don't like judgment. When we are judged, our own authority is called into question and to account, and we don't like that. Also, God's judgment is final. Once he has passed judgment, there is no more opportunity to reconcile, and that's something we don't like. And his judgment is fierce. Because his judgment is with a strength that no one can escape. There's nothing that you and I can do to delay God's judgment. But God's judgment is also just. We need to remember it's not born out of revenge like so many people's own judgment. It's not meant to antagonize or to belittle. It's not meant as an, it doesn't come at us as an uncontrollable rage. God does not take pleasure in our punishment. He is simply just. We need to understand that when we read this parable. And yet this parable tells us a lot of other things about God that we might miss because we grab onto the judgment part. But here's some other things this parable teaches us about God, that he trusts you. In the parable, the landowner hires tenants and he places them in charge of his vineyard and he trusts them. And in the same way, God places people in charge of the care of his kingdom. And I understand that when he places people in charge of the kingdom, it, it refers to spiritual leaders. He's, and Jesus is really calling out the Pharisees and the priests with this parable. And church leaders should pay attention when they read this parable. I certainly do. But the caretakers are not limited to just a select few. God has a task for each one of his people in his kingdom. And he trusts you to take care of the task. In the story, the landowner doesn't hire tenants and then micromanages them. He hires them and then lets them do the job. The trust is a compliment. Do you think of God as trusting you because he does? Perhaps you're not willing to trust yourself, but it's a story that tells us about God's trust for you. 
Another thing this parable teaches us is that God is patience. Patience is hard for us. We want our way and we want our results and we want them fast. Yet God is patient with us in ways that we are not. Max Lucado writes about patience, and he says the Greek word used for patience is a descriptive one. It figuratively means taking a long time to boil. Think of a pot of boiling water. (laughs) I can never get them to boil fast enough, can you? What factors determine the speed at which it boils? Is it the size of the stove? Maybe a little. The pot? The utensil? May have some influence. But the primary factor is the intensity of the flame. Water boils quickly when the flame is high. It boils slowly when the flame is low. Patience keeps the burner down. That's quite a picture of patience, isn't it? God's patience is one of the great balances to his judgment. In the story, the landowner sends three messengers Each one is punished in some way. One's beaten, one's flat out killed. They said they stoned another one, but stoning always ends in death. And then he sends yet more messengers. And then finally he sends his own son. His judgment is not impatient or rash. His judgment is patient. Have you ever jumped to judgment with someone? It's not that way with God. Just as the landowner gives chance after chance after chance with each servant to go collect, so does the Father with us. He gives us chance after chance after chance. He is patient. And the last thing I would say from this parable is that God loves you deeply. The message is clear. Though we focus on the judgment, it's all about love in this passage. I hope you hear God's love through this story. The landowner cares deeply for his vineyard. He gives it the very best of what it needs. When we read Isaiah 5, verses 1 and 2, it describes God carefully tending and preparing the vineyard of Israel. He loves them. There's a lot of care there. And this is where we need to understand this parable doesn't just tell us about God, but it tells us about us because he loves and he loves you and he loves me and he wants us to be at our very best. He wants to give us the best. So let's talk a little bit about what this parable tells us about humanity. In this parable, humankind is described in two ways. There's two pictures that describe people. One is as the vineyard, God loving his vineyard. And one is as the tenants, God God wanting tenants to care for the vineyard. So what can we learn about ourselves from these two pictures? Well, as I've already said, we are loved by God as his treasured vineyard. But if we go to the tenant picture for a minute, because that's where a lot of the energy is in the parable, there's a couple things we learn. One, God wants to call and equip you to serve his kingdom. The landowner hires tenants. It's a calling. He doesn't just give them the land and command them to make it work. Like, start from scratch, see what you can make of it. He provides the vineyard with all that's needed, a protective wall, a wine press, a watchtower, and of course, the grapevines themselves. God doesn't call you to impossible tasks, but he'll equip you to be able to do those tasks. And he calls you and me to serve his kingdom, to care for others, and he equips us to be able to do that. So, how are you called to serve his kingdom?
Maybe you're called as a leader. Maybe you're called to be an encourager. Maybe you're called to be a helper. There's a whole lot of ways we can be called. Sometimes we don't even know where to start. Well, Mother Teresa says this, Never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest you. I think that's a good way to get started with answering God's call to serve his kingdom. Because we are called. We get to be tenants serving his kingdom. Second thing about us that we can learn from this parable is that God gives us a tremendous freedom. In the story, the landowner hires the tenants and he makes a deal with them. A, a deal is, is, you know, you can work the land and I want to have rent paid. That's how the, it's a owner-renter relationship. There's a deal made. Ultimately, though, he allows them to work the vineyards any way they see fit. He doesn't micromanage them. This is true of me and you as well. God grants us tremendous freedom in how we live, in how we act, in the decisions we make. How lovely it is that God has given us this freedom to explore life, to express our creativity. He didn't just create us and then he he manages our every decision and movement. He gives us freedom. But this is also a problem. Thomas Huxley wrote this in a collection of essays, a man's worst difficulties begin when he's able to do as he likes. And that's the case with the tenants in our story, and it's the case for you and for me. Because that's one thing we learn in our parable today. Humanity is sinful. Sin is ever a problem for humanity. The tenants are quite wicked in this story. That's easy to see. They, they want the vineyard for their own, and they kill each servant who is brought to them. And then when the son shows up, they think, hey, we can get the inheritance if we kill the son. I don't know how that works. They, they seem to think it would work for them. I don't know why they thought that the landowner would just say, yeah, yeah, and well, I guess it's yours now. But the point is, is they are so greedy and so focused in on what they want that they kill. They take. They destroy, and this should get our attention. Jesus' description of caring for the vineyard is familiar to the listeners, except one detail. Landowners in Israel, the reality was landowners in Israel, the having a vineyard, renting it out to somebody who would take care of it was common. But something's different about Jesus' story that you need to see. Landowners in Israel were often belligerent and abusive to their tenants. If you worked for a landowner, you expected to be taken advantage of. Very seldom did a tenant ever get a good deal. In this story, the landowner is kind and patient and more than reasonable. It's the tenants who are wicked and, as the text describes them, wretched the parable is an unvarnished depiction of our sin. We might feel like our sin is not a big problem. Maybe God's making a bigger deal out of it than it really needs to be. But to God, sin is an offense against him and his kingdom. And the message is clear. Sin is serious business with serious consequences. Fortunately, the story tells us about one more person. Jesus, the son, the very guy telling the story that Jesus is telling us about himself. So let's look in real quickly about what this story tells us about the son. First is this. Jesus is telling us that, yes, he is 
the Son of God. That's coming through this story. Now, here we stand in 2023, and over-familiarity with the description, Jesus is the Son of God, might make us forget how important these words are. We might read this parable and go, well, yeah, okay, he's talking about himself. We know that Jesus is the Son. But strangely enough, this parable is one of the clearest places in the Gospels where Jesus tells us who he is. He is describing himself as the son of the landowner in the story, and so the son of God. It is a cataclysmic declaration of who he is. And why is that important? Because he's also telling us in this parable, secondly, that he is the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, in telling this story about the son being killed by the tenants, he also reveals that he knows he's going to the cross. It's his decision. He's made it. He knows what's going to happen. There's a great finality in the description of Jesus. Because after Jesus finishes his story, he describes himself as a stone, a cornerstone and a crushing stone. And in those images, we're being told that Jesus is the foundation of life. He holds everything together and he will be the judge over all people. The question is whether or not you have put your trust in Jesus. This parable has much to teach us about God, much to teach us about Jesus, and much to teach us about ourselves. Perhaps one lesson that is easy for us to uh, skip is that we usually tend to think this world is ours and that belongs to us. Before we know it, we're treating the kingdom of God as though it's our own, to do with as we please. But we're not the owners. We're just the tenants. We answer to the landlord, to God, and we need the grace of the Son. Perhaps you have something or someone in your life that you've held on to too tightly and you need to relinquish them to Jesus. Would you do that? Would you acknowledge today that you're not the owner, that God is? Would you ask for forgiveness? Would you see his patience for you and see that he loves you so dearly? Let's pray. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you. And then use us, we pray, as you will, and always to your glory and the welfare of your people. Through our Lord and Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Go with Jesus.